This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Welcome to The Better Samaritan, a podcast where we're learning how to do good better. I'm Kent Annan, co-director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, and I'm joined by my HDI colleague, Jamie Ayton, and our producer, Laura Finch, to explore ways we can more effectively love our neighbors, from everyday acts of kindness to navigating the most complex humanitarian challenges facing church and society. Today's guest is Michael Ware, who is a leading strategist, speaker, and practitioner at the intersection of faith, politics, and public life. In the past, he's even worked in the White House. There are times where political decisions do help people (laughs) and where the process uh, of self-governance does work and where people's lives are made better. This is a podcast where you can listen in as we learn from the wisdom and experience of those who are seeking to be better Samaritans through their work, so we can all help those with urgent needs in front of us today and improve the road so others can walk it safely in the future. Hey guys, it's Laura. What better week to bring you this conversation? We started the week honoring Martin Luther King Jr. And this week, we will also inaugurate a new president. Um, We do want to clarify, this conversation took place before the events at the Capitol on January 6th, and you'll hear that kind of reflected in the tone. But we felt like it was also just a timeless conversation about resetting our priorities. What do politics mean to us as Christians? What should they mean? And what should we expect from the political ring? So... Please enjoy this conversation with Michael Ware. And now let's bring out our expert. Michael is a leading strategist, speaker, and practitioner at the intersection of faith, politics, and public life. He's advised the president, as well as some of the nation's leading foundations, nonprofits, and public leaders on important issues that define American life today. Michael is the founder of Public Square Strategies, LLC, a firm that helps religious groups effectively navigate the American religious and political landscape. He is co-author of Compassion and Conviction, the AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement, and he is also author of Reclaiming Hope, Lessons Learned in the Obama White House about the future of faith in America. He also writes about faith and politics for a number of media outlets. Michael, thank you for being with us today. good to be with you. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start with an easy question. So you write on your website, one of the comments is, I believe politics is a forum for loving your neighbor. Um, So a a question that Jesus was asked a couple thousand years ago, uh, who is our neighbor today? You know, if we're just, if we're Republican, is it just Republicans? Is it, we're Democrats, just Democrats? Who is our neighbor today politically? Well, uh, in, in the political community, it's the, uh, people who are affected by the decisions that we make. Uh, you know, I, I think it's um, my understanding of what Jesus is is, is saying there is um, um, that we ought to uh, think about uh, the good of those who are impacted by the decisions we make. So he's, so he's not talking about like a, a, a feeling or a sentiment. 
He's saying those you come across, and of course, in the world we live in today, we uh, uh, come across uh, a, a wider range of people than uh, than uh, than really ever before. The people you come across, you ought to be thinking about how your actions might be intended toward their good. Um, and so, yes, in a political community, uh, it's uh, people who vote differently than you do, uh, people who don't, uh, people who don't vote at all, uh, people who vote the same way you do, but for entirely different reasons. Uh, now, that doesn't uh, mean that we don't have convictions, that we don't have. Uh, our concept of what is good, but we must truly like wrestle with ourselves about whether uh, what, wh- how we are acting, the choices we make are intended for others good or, um, or, or if, um, or, or if at the end of the day, uh, that's not really something that's of concern to us. Well, Michael, you you talked there just a minute ago about how wrestling with ourselves. You know, one of the things that I've noticed it seems like anytime I turn on the TV, read the news, or hop onto social media, it seems like we're doing more wrestling with each other. Curious if you had any thoughts or maybe tips of what we could do differently so that we're not constantly in the the ring with each well, other. Well, you, you know, to to a certain extent. Um, you know that that's what politics is, right? You, you, you know we um, mm-hmm. we are uh, we are uh, we live in a, a, a liberal democracy where decisions are made by uh, uh, amassing the the political will to act and then to to do so, and that inevitably leads to. Uh, disagreement uh, that inevitably leads to um, uh, uh, I, I mean this gets deeper into sort of theory but you know this get uh, this leads to to faction uh, I, I think what is upsetting for so many of us is that our politics has increasingly become uh, not just a place where we sort of pursue the limited but important sort of um, means of advancing the common good with uh, uh, in a political context. But, but our politics has become a sort of uh, what, what I've referred to as a, a, a sort of reservoir for all of our loves and affections and hatreds and animosities and ambitions and desires. Uh, and so that uh, the the usual conflict, the conflict over ideas, uh, the conflict over um, resource allocation uh, that you would uh, that you would you know, frankly like want to see in politics. You, you'd want to see a robust debate about uh, what decisions uh, lead to the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Instead, our politics today, often seems so detached from actual political conversations and instead is about simply finding reasons to wrestle with one another, uh, using politics as a forum for 
for playing out all of these various animosities and affections uh, and and uh, this pursuit of of self affirmation and uh, and expression, and that's not a good place. That's not a good place to be. Politics is not meant to bear uh, that that burden, and yet we're seeing this play out uh, increasingly day by day. So, so what I think I'm hearing you say is that it's okay to wrestle as long as it's a fair match, but leave the grudge matches at home. So we're, we don't have room for some some of that type yeah, of dirty and, fight. Yeah, you know, stay in the ring, you know, <laughs> you, you know, uh, instead of uh, instead of taking the fight out, you know, backstage into the crowd, <laughs> uh, uh, swinging chairs around. Yeah, stay in the ring. Uh, the ring is where the fight's supposed to where the fight's supposed to take place, and uh, you know if you don't, you know we ought to have some institutions that'll you know count you out, <laughs> and, you know, and end the match. And unfortunately, you know we don't have referees in politics. Really, what we have are the voters, and it's the voters who have to impose. At the end of the day, it's the voters that have to impose that kind of citizens they have to impose that kind of uh order and those kinds of limitations on our on our political discourse uh and unfortunately uh, uh i i think you can make a very strong case that uh it's it's voters who are actually um yearning for and incentivizing uh uh, politicians who, to continue the metaphor, you know, get out of the ring and get backstage and and take their fight in all kinds of places it's not supposed to be. Like I've heard the ring metaphor a lot, but I never heard it go all the way. To me, the me neither. Like this, that, is, this, is, this is this is this is not uh, this is not warmed over rhetoric uh, from me. This is this is new <laughs> stuff. You you guys have taken me to new places here. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's uh, sticking with that then so for for those who aren't in this full-time you know where yeah, you're seeing sure. you're in the fight you see the you, you see the bad but you also are seeing the good that yeah. comes of this how do you how do you and, and maybe even more more importantly how do the person who's listening who's really just seeing the chaos and the crowd and the chairs and the people who get hurt directly or the people whose lives are on the margins and don't get cared for because of this state of things. How, how can someone say, okay, I want to be a good citizen. I want to be engaged in helping, you know, being a good Samaritan in the political sense. Like how, how does someone not get disillusioned right now with, with the state of where things are and keep engaging? What would you say is, is your advice uh, there? There, uh, there are, uh, there are times that, uh, and and uh, really, they're they're quite common where political decisions uh, do help people, <laughs> and where the process uh, of self governance does work, and where people's lives are made better. Um, and so, um, you you don't have to. Um, it, it's not a, a theoretical idea that, you know, oh, oh gosh, if we could just get our act together, maybe we'd be able to do something, something good for. Uh, no, no, our history is is rife with political decisions uh, 
that that have have done good, um, that have made people's lives better. Um, w- what it requires is for a sustained and concentrated um, focus of attention toward the good. And we can, uh, we can expect and hold politicians and elected officials to be accountable to that. Uh, but, but they rely ultimately on a people whose attention is oriented in that direction. And so, uh, I, I certainly understand disillusionment and frankly, I'd say, you know, there are some benefits to disillusionment. Um, there are some real, um, there are some real errors that can be made. Uh, if you think politics is, uh, uh, um, any different from any other area of life where sin and, false, uh, 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 bad motives and, uh, uh, sort of, uh, false ideas can creep in and, and distort things. We have to be clear eyed about politics, but just like, again, just like other areas of life, knowing that isn't an excuse to withdraw. We sometimes think of politics as like this, this area of life that sort of, you know, opt in, uh, 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 but we'd never think about sort of uh, our our family life like that. We, we we'd never think of uh, our more personal obligations. We'd never think of uh, our our work life like that. And the fact of the matter is, is that for Americans, you know, we live in a country that does not. It's not an opt in uh, system of government. Uh, if you're a citizen, you hold a political office already. And so your choice is not whether you have political influence or a stake in our politics at all. That the, the choice you have to make is, is what are you going to do with it? Um, and so I, I would uh, I would never suggest to someone, oh, you know, politics is is all, you know, roses and and and, and rainbows. Um, I think that can actually be a really uh, it, that can have some really harmful effects. What it is is politics is one forum, one essential forum in which we can love our neighbors. And so like every other area of life, when we go to politics, uh, we go seeking the good of our neighbors, in, uh, stewarding our influence in in the best way that, that, that we can, given our station and the season of life we're in. And and the level of influence uh, that that we have. I like how you argue that, and it, it relates to something I I really found intriguing in in some of the things you argue for, Michael. And that's that our spiritual, like an individual spiritual health, is actually tied to the yes. state of politics. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Then and like really going down to the in, how does how are How's our individual spiritual health related to what we what we see around us? I, I like that you're tying tying the voter to the state of things, not blaming the politicians, but that we all hold yes. responsibility. The the, the 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 difficult truth, the the easiest thing to do would be to say, um, and I think it would be false uh, that oh, if we just got this campaign finance reform package through, oh, if we just changed the way we did elections, oh, if we just uh, 
you, you know, um, pe- uh, moved a ethics reform package through, if we just put in term limits, you know, all these kinds of structural changes, none of which, by the way, I'm dis- dismissing. The, 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 but the hard truth is the state of our politics is a reflection of the state of our souls, the, the, the voters. Mm. The temptation is always to sort of act as an outside observer on our politics uh, and to, to say, oh, those bums in Washington or those bums in the state capitol – uh, and to be clear, there are some there are some bums there, <laughs> but but the problem is is that we put them there. You know, the the, the problem is that politicians are actually pretty, um, uh, uh, pretty discernible creatures. <laughs> you know, the, the their motives are pretty understandable. Uh, uh, they they want to uh, stay elected, and they stay elected by. Uh, being supported by the people. Um, and, and so uh, they are responding to the incentives and disincentives we place into the system. So, so this is like a really, so right. Like uh, take a concrete example. People uh, complain about negative advertising. Uh, oh, those politicians are always attacking one another. Why can't they ever take talk about policy? Uh, well, uh, if, you're looking at reams of data that suggests that uh, negative advertising works and talking about what policies you want to support doesn't work. In other words, voters don't respond to that. Voters do respond to hearing, hearing gossip about their opponents. Then yeah, you could, you could say, well, the elected officials should reject sort of the popular will and sort of as a, as a point of conviction, not run negative advertising. And uh, uh, like you, you can hold people personally accountable for that. The, the, the problem is, is that on average, you know, if we, if we, if we take the view, you know, if we assume the view that, uh, that, that negative advertising works and positive uh, sort of policy oriented advertising doesn't, uh, then, you, the politicians can take all the stands that they want. Uh, they'll just get voted out of office and be replaced by someone who took the pragmatic view, who who, who responded to what voters uh, what what voters wanted. Uh, another example of this is with media. Uh, people say, "Well, why is the media always covering you know horse race politics and this?" Well, well, I mean, we could even look just at the way that uh, viewership has. Uh, change over the last, you know, uh, bit of time since the uh, since the el- election. Uh, now that uh, th- there's a big concern among those who run sort of news stations, well, now that there isn't an election anymore, now that the news is going to turn to uh, who's going to be appointed to positions of incredible authority, who who's going to be uh, w- what. Uh, pieces of legislation are going to be pursued uh, in the new Congress. They're worried about their viewership going down, and so they have to manufacture all kinds of different stories. To, uh, uh, or, or they have to they have to think differently about their their coverage because uh, uh, because they know that viewers change the station when you talk about policy and when you talk about social science and when you talk about uh, the actual work of politics, and so. Uh, uh, that that's what I 
That's what I mean at the, for better or for worse. And we, I, I would urge individuals to, to view it as an opportunity. Our systems are fairly responsive uh, to the incentives and disincentives that, that we place into them, our political systems. Not perfectly responsive. There are a whole bunch of structural changes, and we, we could talk about those. Um, but uh, we need to be thinking as individuals about how you know, I, in my personal capacity, in relationship with uh, those in my community, in relationship with organizations and efforts that are working on these issues, uh, how do, how do I leverage my influence to to maybe change the center of gravity? You know, a tick, uh, maybe be a part of, what? maybe be a uh, just a small part of uh, of changing that incentive structure so that elected officials uh, are 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 making decisions based on a, a a different set of facts than they currently are. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. And Michael, if you could pick up a little bit more on that last part that you were saying there about, you know, how do we start to actually get yeah. involved in this and uh, start to make change? What are your hopes? You know, you've been in this for, for over a decade yeah. now of being in this kind of place of faith and nav- uh, navigating that along with politics. What's some advice or recommendations you might give us for how to be yeah. faithful advocates uh, well, in the so, arena? Um, I think people underestimate the, um, the 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 value of offering yourself in service, uh, especially the more local you get. Uh, pol- elected officials, political officials concerns become more and more practical and more and more tangible. And so, for instance, I know churches and communities of Christians around the country who have taken the step not of trying to dictate to elected officials what they ought to be doing, although that's certainly, you know, a a part of sort of... uh, uh, what what citizens can do and really should should do sort of make their views clear, but uh, these communities have uh, in these instances gone to their elected officials and say, "Look, I don't want anything from you right now. What I have is you know this physical space, this number of volunteers, these financial resources at my disposal, this sort of uh, human capital." Um, what challenges would you say are confronting our city, our county, our state? Uh, 
and how how might we play a role in that? I mean, actually, you know, uh, and when I was in the White House, d- disaster relief was one of like the the sort of pinnacle examples of this, because when a disaster strikes, all the politics kind of mostly melts away. Uh, you know, it's very hard to be sort of talking about culture wars or talking about any of the kind of hot button issues when when your your city's underwater or or when a tornado has come through um, and 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 uh, torn people's homes apart. And of course, we know that it's often faith-based organizations and faith-based volunteers who are the first on the ground to help in these circumstances. And the, the, obviously there's a concrete value there. There's, there's the, there's the, uh, there's a, 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 a economic, uh, uh, value in terms of, uh, you know, you could quantify that volunteer service. You could, you could quantify the, uh, the contribution, but there's also, uh, uh, a, a sort of, uh, less tangible service, which is, the, like the social fabric heals when uh, when you have uh, uh, government and individuals and mediating institutions and civic institutions working together towards the good of their community. And sometimes it takes tragedy for that to take place. Other times, like I've seen uh, Christian churches come alongside public schools and say, look, we're, we're, we're here to uh, do you need some garbage to be picked up? <laughs> do you need some? Uh, uh, do you need some tutors? Uh, we want to help in a in a in a uh, in a service oriented way. Uh, turn around this school for the good of the community in which we live, in which we are a part. And there have been some wonderful partnerships that have happened there. I I, I helped to um, uh, 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 to work with and spotlight some of those partnerships when I was when I was at the White House. And so so that's. That's what it can look like. And then just one more quick word, which is to speak directly to politics. Um, uh, the, the other thing I think people underestimate is the um, how sort of highfalutin and how sort of uh, how sort of massive a group you have to have together uh, to, to influence elected officials. Uh, again, especially when you get to when you get more local, uh, but even up to you know, your representative in the House of Representatives in, 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 in the United States Congress, uh, it, if, if you got five, 10 friends together to, to, to write a letter on a specific issue that's of importance to your community that an elected official has oversight over, uh, the, the odds are that just five, 10 people if a if an office gets that mail from constituents from from folks they represent on the same issue, uh, th- that is going to rise to the level of attention. Now that might that might not uh, of, of five letters, but might not uh, might not completely change uh, uh, elected officials' mind. But they're going to be attentive to the fact. Hey, I have constituents that I represent who are going to be making a choice about whether to vote for me and, uh, you know, however long. Um, and if they're willing to coordinate to, to this extent on this issue, that suggests that there, that, that, that there's some organizing capacity here and that there's some, 
there's some some passion uh, involved here. So elected officials are going to be responsive to that in some in some way. That that's going to figure into their into their makeup. And and then the other thing I'd say is, uh, I I wouldn't want people to feel like um, they have to take on uh, the only way to affect politics is to sort of take on the whole burden sort of themselves. You know, there are people with different callings and uh, people in different seasons of life. You you may not be in a season of life where uh, you have the time to spend, you know, 15 hours a week researching uh, how public education works in your, uh, in your area or uh, spend uh, 20 hours on the weekend at your uh, local, you know, campaign headquarters, you know, uh, stuffing envelopes and that kind of thing. And that's okay. If you are in a season where you could do that, that's wonderful. If you're not, that's not necessary. One thing I recommend to people is uh, aligning their efforts with organizations and institutions who do have the calling to do uh, to do this work in the same way that, you know, a church might care about uh, providing access to water for those who don't have it. But that doesn't mean every church is drilling wells. No, they're given organizations that have that calling to do that work. Yeah, those partnerships are key to be able to, to make this happen. And no, I love that, Michael. I, and I love that you, you like the, the disillusionment from looking at, you know, especially at DC from a distance or, you know, watching things happen on social media and that phrase you used to offer yourself in service, uh, was really beautiful. And then, and then to, to think locally and act locally, I think is, is great advice. So we're going to go, uh, pivot now into what we call the big five <laughs> questions that you have to answer, uh, in a short amount of time. And we do this for everybody. So they're big questions and just to take about 30 seconds each, and it's great because we have different people from different walks of life uh, who are, are answering these same questions all, you know, with this idea of how do we keep getting to become better Samaritans to, to keep growing and loving, uh, loving our neighbors. So uh, what is something that has surprised you in your work recently? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. Besides yeah, the metaphor about throwing about, chairs. Uh, throwing chairs. Yeah, I, I, I got hit with a couple in the last, in the last few months. So that, that was surprising. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I just say, um, I, I think that uh, churches have approached the, the, this, uh, this, the, the, uh, the previous election season with a great level of intentionality that was all the more impressive to me, obviously, given all the burdens related to COVID that, that are placed on churches. And this wasn't every church, but I noticed a significant difference in sort of uh, pastors and church leaders emphasizing the need for congregations to hold together in what was going to be a divisive, uh, divisive, uh, you know, political season, no matter how it turned out and, uh, and all of that. And so, um, uh, it, it, in a way, that's uh, that surprised me. Uh, it, it was a good surprise, uh, uh, and I'm hoping that that's something that we could build on. 
great. And how, how have you been learning to do good better in this? Work? Uh, you know, I think the, um, there's so many, so many things. I, I, I think what I, what I pull out here is what we just talked about, which is, um, that benefit of partnerships and, um, the, the more willing you are to, um, to share credit and share burdens, the, 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 the farther you're going to be able to go in, in general. Um, and so, um, y- you know, m- my work is oriented around, uh, a mission and a, and a, and a way of thinking that does not require me. Um, and if your work is oriented around a mission, then you can be happy seeing that mission advanced uh, through your own efforts, but also through the efforts of others, which you can support. Um, and so, so, so that that's been that's been the emphasis for me over the last few years. I love that. That's great. This may relate to the next question. Third question. How would you define humility in the context of your, your field here that yeah, we've been so talking about? It's, um, uh, in, in my first book, I talk about humility as, uh, both a, a an understanding, uh, that, uh, your approach may not be the right one. That that your you may not uh, you may not be seeing things clearly. But in in politics, sort of the when humility is is talked about, especially um, among Christians, you know that side of humility is often it can be used to justify sort of in inaction. There's sort of this idea that well, you know if. If I if I if I'm not a hundred percent sure, then how could I possibly, how could I possibly, you know, act? Isn't it just safer um, to to not do anything at all? And so the the other side of the the other way humility plays out, I think, in civic life, is this understanding that your your choices are important that they they, they carry weight. Um, you, you, you're also just one among, uh, in this past election, a hundred, you know, fifty, maybe a hundred sixty million voters. Um, you are one citizen out of uh, over, you know, th- uh, three, well over three hundred million. And so, um, yes, take your civic choices seriously, um, but but do not. Uh, you are not so important <laughs> that uh, that the action that you take um, that the fate of the world is is resting on it. Yeah, you 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 act with uh, due diligence and with the best intentions, but but sort of uh, you don't allow a sort of overestimation of the impact of your actions to to lead to uh, you know being debilitated or being a quietist. Michael, and, and what, what's maybe one way Christians can act um, or, or work within politics to make the road safe yeah, for so, vulnerable people? And I know the background of this uh, 
uh, of this this podcast uh, refers to a story Dr. King would talk about quite often. He, he, one of the times he talked about it was was the night before his death, and he he refers to uh, something he thought Christians ought to have, uh, which he termed a dangerous unselfishness, which is just you know just an incredible phrase. It, 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 I mean, we don't have time to go into this, but but I would just ask people to attend to that to to that sermon, uh, and and notice that I think the temptation in our politics and just in our discourse right now would be to to look at the person who walks on the other side of the road, and uh, and just completely write them off. Uh, completely say, well, l- look what an evil heart they must have to 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 not cross over to the other side of the road. A king on the night before his death, after all that he'd seen, after all the not just the successful actions but the unsuccessful ones, uh, King instead actually th- that sermon is a great example of of empathy uh, for inaction. Uh, he he tries to get inside the head of what what rational uh, explanations might people have for not crossing over to the other side of the road? And w- one of the things he comes up with is this uh, this idea that the fear of uh, the fear of unanticipated harm is greater uh, that that motivation overcame the knowledge of certain good. Uh, and for Christians, we really need to be careful that our political actions aren't motivated by a fear of sort of unanticipated harm while leaving aside the fact that there's someone dying on the side of the road uh, that can be attended to, that it's not just a theory that <laughs> that, that they could be helped. We know they can be helped. Uh, we have to be willing to act. Mm, that's great, Michael. And then last question, fifth question is, how do you personally sustain hope in the midst of this work? Oh, I, um, I, 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 I've said before, you know, it is, it is not safe um, to act, think about, be in politics with your feet planted in politics. But with your feet planted in the gospel, uh, all manner of things are safe. Um, all manner of things can be hopeful. Um, you, 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 can, you can have hope for them when your hope is not grounded in them, if that makes sense. And so for, for me, I, I take great yeah. encouragement and comfort from the local church, from the fact that... Um, the work that we do is um, is uh, um, the the best expressions of the work that we do are not our work at all, but but the Lord's work, and that uh, he he's not relying on uh, on sort of uh, the the outcome of our labor for the outcome that he's pursuing. Uh, he's just invited us to be co laborers with him. And to and to step into the work that he's doing, and, and that's a that's a freeing place to be. Mm, that's a, a be- freeing place to be, and a beautiful way to end this conversation, uh, Michael. Thanks so much for sharing that. I love ending with 
being grounded in the gospel and that, that this is God's work that we were invited to humbly participate in, uh, in loving our neighbors. So, so grateful for this. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the work that you do, I think, in, in the country and for the church. Um, is there anything coming up that we'll share and make sure we have links to your your recent book and appreciate the work you're doing with the ad and campaign. Um, anything else you'd like for us to highlight for, for listeners to follow up and sure. My, and my wife, on? who's a international affairs expert uh, and I, we run a, a newsletter at reclaiminghope.substack.com. And uh, it's just a wonderful community. We, uh, we send out content multiple times a week to religious uh, leaders, political leaders, journalists, uh, and we'd love to have folks uh, join us over there. Great. Well, we'll be sure to include that as a link for people to to uh, to be able to subscribe there. So, Michael, thank you for your your time, it's and, and so great, great to be Thanks connected with you here. here. So, we hope you found this conversation as meaningful as we did. You know, we recorded it before the events at the Capitol, after the election, before the events at the Capitol, and I feel like it's become all the more meaningful since then um the analogy of the ring the the different ways that michael talked about how we can engage uh, faithfully even with in with disagreements and fighting for what's good and fighting for our neighbors our prayer and our hope and the work of this podcast will be to continue to see how we can move from this moment into doing good better Thanks for listening to the Better Samaritan podcast. You can find links to the things we mentioned during this episode in the show notes, including Michael's newsletter, Reclaiming Hope, and Kent's book, Slow Kingdom Coming. And special thanks to the brilliance for this fantastic music theme. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. You can also follow the Humanitarian Disaster Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week as we continue learning to do good better.